0: wow i could really use current i also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales i guess i'll just go to their website at current.tech here in america work is in trouble we've offshored our manufacturing sent away good jobs and lost so much ability to make things american giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide they make high quality clothing Sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.
1: Hello everybody, Jacob Daniel here, another episode of the Daniel 3 podcast. And uh thanks for watching or, or listening or however you consume uh the, the content that I provide. Um so uh doing a couple little uh updates and stuff. Um so the audio podcast uh format is slowly getting caught up, so if you're, you know, prefer to listen to the podcast on the audio only instead of the YouTube, um, I'd fallen a little bit behind there, but uh, we're getting caught up. Uh, should be, you know, I think by by early next week, kind of back to current. Uh, also, uh, website, I'm sorry, is still down and uh, out for the count at the moment, but uh, should hopefully be uh, back up and running sometime soon as well. As for what we got coming down the pipeline, um uh so i'm recording this episode so i gotta think in future tense of when this will come out um but uh j- see april 14th i have james uh Gentleman and jose galison of the no way jose podcast coming back on the show um for another discussion uh and then april 19th i have excuse me i'm trying to hold back a sneeze, and it's gone. All right. Uh, April 19th, I have Dave Smith coming on the show. Um, and after that, I don't have anything scheduled, but we're currently uh, currently talking to some people and getting them uh, getting them booked for stuff. So I'll try to announce the shows so you can try to tune in and watch them live. Most of my shows are live. This is one of my uh, rare, rare times where I'm having a conversation and recording it uh, ahead of time, just because sometimes it works out better to do that. Um, So the guest I have today, um, and it's going to be one of those confusing, uh, I don't know, I've I've somehow done this now like three episodes in a row where I have uh, two people on with the same first name. Uh, So a few episodes back, I had two Caleb's. And last week, I had two Andrews. Well, today, it's going to be two Jacob's. So um, we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> Maybe I'll just uh, relinquish Jacob for the for the conversation and go by Daniel because that's what everyone calls me anyway. Um, but um, my guest tonight, uh, he is the host of the uh, uh, Rise to Liberty podcast, um, where uh, he also talks about you know libertarianism and sort of the the times that we're living in and trying to you know figure out what's going on and how we can better understand uh, the world around us, kind of, you know, push against the, uh, th- the boundaries of, of uh, allowable opinion and, you know, talk to people and keep pushing that over tin window. Uh, I've talked to Jacob quite a few times uh, on the Clubhouse app and we've always had some good conversations. And so now he's coming on the show and uh, we're going to have a good conversation here for, for you guys to enjoy. So I'm going to bring him on now uh jacob how you doing tonight
2: oh not too bad just uh kind of hanging out relaxing had a had a long day full of uh liberty stuff at the uh, utah state libertarian convention and so just kind of unwinding but uh you know i'm still all jacked up on liberty so you know it's good though
1: yeah you know conventions are always uh a blast you know even you know even though the ones in my state have had a little bit more, I don't know, drama to them, you know, the, the, just the energy you get when you're with a lot of other people that share your values, uh, that kind of see the world the same way. It's, it's always, it's always rejuvenating to the spirit and, and helps to, you know, kind of keep up the energy for the, for the good fight that we're uh, trying to fight. So, uh, you know, I, I wish I, wish I could attend more of them, Uh, you know, hopefully, my wife's pregnant right now, so I don't want to leave her behind too much. But I'm hoping in the next couple of years to come, maybe I'll be able to do a bit more traveling and uh, you know get to meet more of. Uh, There's so many people I've only talked to online, and I'd love to get to meet more of them in person. But uh, but yeah, man, it's uh, uh, so you know, you're, this is your first time on my show, so um, I'm gonna give the floor over to you a little bit. Just you know, introduce yourselves a, l- a little bit more uh to my audience, your background and then uh talk a little bit about your podcast and uh you know the 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 things that you like to talk about.
2: Yeah, so um, of course my name is Jacob Johnson. Um really I mean I hate talking about myself, which is why I have a podcast. I get to talk to other people, you know. Um so as far as the, you know, political and liberty stuff, um of course I was I was raised to always question things and um e- even if I thought I was right to always still question that as well um so it really kind of started off when I was really young but then I got exposed to libertarian philosophy uh through Ron Paul um I actually told told this story today it was actually uh in a high times magazine uh advertisement the first time I ever saw his name or picture or anything and of course, you know, the, uh, a politician who, uh, was pushing for decriminalization and legalization of marijuana, I, I had never seen or heard of anything like that. I thought it was political suicide at that point. And so I dove into what he was saying more and what really stuck with me was the, the, and the fed, um, which didn't take me long to, uh, find G. Edward Griffin. And as soon as I read the creature from Jekyll Island, it was all uphill from there, like just the uphill battle um one one thing that I really liked about it though um ron paul is it it showed me that you know some of these principles of freedom and liberty weren't just these like outdated ideas um they they were still very relevant and they were still very alive um because, you know, I'm a product of government schooling and anything in government schooling, they, they would have you believe that, you know, the, these principles, these ideas, uh, they, they just don't have an effect on our society now. And that uh, it's just something you read about in history books and a uh, complete yeah, we,
1: lie. We we tried freedom a uh, 200 <laughs> years ago and, you know. It was all right, but it just didn't work out. And yeah, yeah. I, know, I know exactly what you mean. And uh, sometimes I feel like the more, like I was like an honor roll student, I was taking uh, like, uh, like AP classes and stuff, including AP history and stuff. And I feel, I've always kind of felt like the smarter you were in school, the more they dumbed you down. Cause it was like, you know, the, the more they propagandize you when you take those like higher level classes and stuff. And then So I, I mean, I, I came out of, uh, high school, very brainwashed. And and because of that, I was, I was, a a, you know, pretty radical, uh, you know, leftist for probably the, the, you know, first, first seven or eight years of of my adult life. But so, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely know what you mean there, but, uh, continue with going on with, uh, uh, what you were saying.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think a, a lot of, uh you know, these, these principles, as I, as I learned them and dove into them, um, you know, I, I was a farmer for about eight years, um, while I was in high school and out of high school. Um, honestly, the best job I've ever had, um, I would still be doing it too, if there was any money in it. Um, but thanks to government subsidies and mega farms and all these things, <laughs> there like there's just yeah these small family farms just can't make it anymore. And I I had to move on. I couldn't support myself. But it, it it was interesting right. because there there was a quote that always stuck with me from Thomas Jefferson that said, uh, um, though those who who work God's or or the, those who those who work the earth are God's chosen people. Hmm. And it was always just interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I love cooking. That's like just one of my hobbies that I just really enjoy. And being able to grow food was like a whole next level thing. Um, it's so intimate hmm. to be able to like feed people and give people sustenance. And so it was just something that always stuck with me because of that. And, you know, working blue collar jobs mainly is just kind of reinforced a lot of these ideas for me as well. So uh, pretty much where I'm coming from, um, that's pretty much where I've, where I've been so the the podcast where, so where I'm going, um, you know, it, it was just a hobby, something I've always wanted to do. And over the past couple of years, uh, with just the blatant government overreach, uh, like they're, they're just not even hiding the abuses at this point. Um, it, it was interesting because I came to this weird fork in the road where it was like the, the podcast market is just flooded with like libertarian or Liberty based podcasts. And I, I struggled with that. I almost didn't pull the, you know, pull the plug and do it, but I, I just view that having these conversations are so extremely valuable and the more conversations we have, the better it's going to be. So here I am. And I really like to focus on what everyone's doing, uh, how we're actually pushing Liberty, how we're trying to grow Liberty. Um, I really do like questioning the narrative, talking history, uh, pretty much anything. So it's, it's it's pretty broad. Um, it's really just based on the guests that I can bring
1: on. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the thing you talked about with farming, I mean, it's funny. I actually just had a, a before uh, I brought you on tonight, I was talking with uh, uh, Joseph Eklund, who is uh, out in Wisconsin. He's running for region six rep for the LMC, but he does this thing called uh uh It's a farm farm matching where he tries to get people uh, instead of buying from the grocery stores, match them up with people uh, like farmers in their local area to buy directly. So it benefits the farmers and the people. Um, But, yeah, we we, we literally just had a conversation with him a little bit about the, you know, the, the all the all the ways in which government completely screwed up the food industry and stuff so it was funny to hear you bring that up again yeah. i was like I, I literally just talked about this <laughs> and but it's so true i mean it, it's 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 there's so many things that government touches that you know people would follow their passions and do those things more but the government's made it either unprofitable or they've made it so that the barriers to entry are so high that people just just can't do it, um, and, and you know it only serves to further, uh, you know, f- further degrade the the quality of life and and the and the and, and the uh, you know the the freedoms that that people can enjoy. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a problem. Um, you know, so you, you mentioned uh, you know Ron Paul was kind of your intro into into libertarianism um you know ron paul obviously uh you know although he did run in the libertarian party uh back in the 80s uh you know he was a republican so um you know why have, uh you know why are you involved in the uh libertarian party instead of uh you know trying to to work in the gop or something Uh you know i i always like to ask people you know who are involved in the lp kind of like why you know i have my reasons for why i choose the lp but i'm always curious to hear other people's reasonings for you know why that's a vehicle that they choose that they're choosing to invest in so the
2: the the short sweet answer is because the gop is spineless and unprincipled like that that's the that's a short simple answer um it's it's just because ultimately I, I don't really see a difference between the two parties. I mean, you, you got the rhinos and the warhawks and everything, and they, they vote for more spending, the expansion of power. Um, both parties vote for the militarization of the police force and they, they blame everything or they, they blame all of the problems on anything and everything except for themselves. And then for some reason, the solution to all of these messed up government programs are just more government programs and we're never getting rid of them. And I just don't see either party actually trying to solve anything. So that's just what led me
1: to the libertarian party. Sure. No, I can, I can definitely, uh, uh, relate to that. Um, you know, one of the, you know, pushbacks I get a lot, be, be curious for what your, your thoughts are on this. Uh, but I know a lot of conservatives, um, uh, people in my family, people in my, my church and stuff who I feel like, you know, even if they're not strict libertarians, we share like 70 to 80% of the same values and stuff. And, and, and uh, you know, I'm convinced if given the opportunity, I could, push them a little bit closer to 90%, but it's just about finding, finding the right way to have those conversations. But, but one of the, the, the criticisms I'll get is just, you know, this sort of, uh, I guess, black pill sort of mentality a lot of people have, which is like, yeah, the government sucks, but, you know, it's just too much of an uphill battle to try to, you know, try, you know, actual libertarianism and, we just got to kind of accept the status quo, try to make the best with what we got now. And so, you know, a lot of conservatives just continually support the GOP, not because they really believe in it, but they're just kind of like, you know, they're content to take the the easy road rather than what seems like to them an insurmountable road of trying to make a, uh, a third party viable or, or, or trying to, you know, find some way to, you know, defend liberty uh outside the you know i would argue the republican party's done little to nothing to defend liberty but i suppose their their argument is you know the, the gop is at least not as destructive as the democratic party which you know it, uh, you know let say for sake of our ar- for sake of argument let's say we grant that and say you know well i think uh I think Michael Malice or I don't know if it's Michael Malice or Scott Horton. I don't, I, there, sometimes it's like you, you listen to all these guys talking and you're like, <laughs> you'll mix up who said what one of them said something along the lines of like, uh, you know, Republicans are just socialists driving the speed limit, I guess. So, you know, but insofar, <laughs> so it's like, you know, but yeah, let's say, you know, people are just, you know, I, I so I guess the question is people, how do you convince people that it's better to go for this, you know, this this road in the LP and the road for, you know, actually trying to to you know, fight for actual, uh, liberty, and instead of taking, I guess, what would be the easy way out, which is like, well, let's vote for the lesser of two evils. Um, you know, what are your what are your what what do you say to people who have that kind of mentality?
2: Well, I mean, it kind of depends on exactly who is talking to me and and why, uh, exactly what we're talking about. Um, cause I I've heard the lesser of two evils argument quite a bit. So if somebody says that to me, I simply point out that even if you're voting for the lesser of two evils, you're still voting for evil. It, it, that's just how it is. Um, as far as the, the attitude of, uh, well, you're not winning elections or, um, it's, too much of an uphill battle or anything. It's I simply point out. Well, with that attitude, yes, because that's what everyone thinks. And so, even if just one person comes over, that's one. It makes that uphill battle just that much, or uh, not as difficult. And so, the more you can spread that, the easier it's going to become because that's everyone's attitude. Well, you, you're just not doing anything. The, the The reason I stick by the LP is because at least I know I'm principled, you know, I don't expect us to win presidential elections. Uh, even if we did, I don't know exactly what we would do. The idea of a libertarian president is kind of against the, I the, the philosophy in, in many ways. Um, so luckily right now here in the state of Utah, um, the Republican party, the, the Utah GOP is really really making its uh, members unhappy. Um, there was a recent, I guess, expose from Tucker Carlson about our governor, Governor uh, Spencer Cox. And it, it was interesting. Um, governor Cox, he is a Democrat in Republican clothing. And that's just how it is. And it's it's interesting because we're such a deeply red state. Um, and Right now, I, I absolutely love that uh, the GOP is still backing this governor. Um, also, we have Mitt Romney, which, you know, yeah, that, that's a whole other discussion. But right now, I've been pointing out to some of the local Republicans the fact that they're upset with, with our governor, which I am too. Um, but I point out that he still is a party-backed candidate. They still stand behind him. We just had our county Republican convention and our governor was a speaker. So it was really interesting. So I point out the fact that their party is the one backing this person that nobody likes apparently. And that seems to be a problem. So, and that hasn't changed. We also have Mitt Romney. He's still backed. And so I simply ask, is this a problem to you? And if it is, why? Um, And then what are you going to do about it? Are you going to try and change the party? Because it doesn't seem like you're doing much to change the party. And if it really is that big of an issue, then you need to look at other options, more principled political options. And there are plenty here in the States.
1: So Yeah, no, I hear that. And, you know, I, I I certainly hear what you're saying as far as you know, um, you know the. trying to remember exactly the w- words you used. So, uh, people will say that you know it's an uphill battle. So why bother? It's like, well, yeah, if that's your attitude, and if everybody has that attitude, then nothing will change. But, um, you know, there's something. At, at least, at least me, I know I can't, I can't live that pessimistically, and I also just think that that's sort of the trap that the the that the state wants us to be in that kind of you know just just being complacent and accepting our fate rather than realizing that that really we have the power you know what I mean and um I I love that slogan that Spike uses right you are the power it's like and it's so true it's like we we actually you know we outnumber you know the entire government you know like not just the federal government but the state governments and you know, everyone who's involved in it, you know, um, they only technically have power that we allow them to have. And it, it doesn't even take convincing half the country to opt to, to stand up. Like really, if you hit, what I tell people is like, if you hit five to 10% and you're a, you know, a 10% voting block, that's just saying no, you know, that, that, alone has a major impact on the state's ability to to you know continue in the uh the authoritarian patterns that it's currently engaging in so it's like you know you can you can live in complacency with with the lot that you have or you can um you know I, I don't know I guess they're just some, some people I think they're just so they And the state does a good job of incentivizing this. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, keep people, you know, entertained and (laughs) well-fed. Well, but the problem is, uh, well-fed isn't as well-fed, you know what I mean? Like people were well-fed in 2019, uh, here in 2022, it's not as, you know, people aren't quite as well-fed as they were. So that's starting to cause a little bit of unrest. Do you think that, you know, I, I mean, what are your thoughts on, you know, th- I think that we have a unique opportunity post, you know, all these lockdowns and, and the, the way the economy is continuing to crumble, spending is still rampant. I mean, inflation, you know, continuing to go up food shortages, you know, uh, the thought of another major war on the horizon. I mean, there's a lot of things going on all at once right now. And, you know i mean i i believe that you know although certainly all those problems are things i'm concerned about um i think that there's a real opportunity if the libertarian party can just get its shit together for a little bit and start uh you know just putting out a coherent message from competent candidates that, that just you know highlight that you know all the democrats and the republicans and the ways in which that they continue this, you know, all of these same policies, they've created this mess. And if we do these things that we would actually, uh, you know, get back to a place where, uh, you know, you're not worrying about, uh, can I leave my home? And you're not worrying about, is there going to be, you know, food at the grocery store and is, you know, is world war three going to happen? You know what I mean? It's just, uh, Uh, You know, I I think we, I think we're facing a a a pivotal uh, crossroads in American history right now, especially you know where where people are going to be, especially like paying attention to people who are uh, outside of the mainstream. Yeah, it's it's interesting.
2: I I think if at any point in time. Now is the time for the Libertarian Party. The only way that can happen is if everyone works together. Um, I've for the longest time, you know, I didn't want people to leave the party. I still don't want people to leave the party. However, if people can't get over whatever personal petty bullshit that they have, sorry, didn't mean to swear. Um, but sorry, and any um any personal beefs that they have, uh, wh- what's more important right now? It's, I mean, is it, is it really important to really hold on to a lot of these personal grudges or are you willing to set some of this aside so we can all work together to fight a bigger, much powerful, much more powerful enemy who is going to take all of us out if we don't do something about it. Um, we we are lucky we we have been given this this opportunity this this terrible I don't want to keep calling it an opportunity but if if at any point in time that the libertarian party could succeed it's now we have the ideas um we don't have uh, not all of our messengers are the best however we do have great messengers um and something dave smith said that i really liked is that uh you can pretty much be as radical as you want in your messaging as long as you're telling the truth yeah and that's that's one of the the best things ever and so i actually decided to run for office here in the state of utah running for uh house of representatives district 9 and one thing that kind of stuck out to me is all of these campaign signs that you see They're they're all the same red, white, and blue. The, the name changes the designs and the flow, they all stay the same. They're always grouped together on the side of the road. You pass them all the time and you never remember them. so I've, I've got some, uh, some signs that I'm putting up and they're black signs with big, bold yellow lettering and just say anti-war. Hmm just blatant out in the open it's different and it will be remembered um it's just if we don't do it now then it's never going to happen and we're going to have to ride this train all the way to the bottom and that's that's just how it is
1: yeah i mean if not now when (laughs) it's like there's never i mean there's never going to be a perfect opportunity but i mean this is the best you know I mean, I think, I think that the present now is always the best time to start trying to, you know, change, you know, I, I was making the same arguments, you know, two or three years ago that was just like, you know, it's, all you know, because it's easy to, for some people to fall into the trap of like, uh, like, I know my father is, is a libertarian in, in spirit, but he voted for Trump in 2020 because he was like, you know, like, I, 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 uh, like I, I agree with libertarians, but you know, this election is just so important because we can't let Hillary, I mean, uh, Joe Biden win. You know what I mean? And I was just like, but th- but every election is like that. You're always going to be in a position where you're like, oh, well, I would vote for, for liberty. But, you know, I got to stop the, the more evil person from winning, even though it's like I, I just I fail to see what would be different if you know, if Trump was in office right now, what would, what I'm not saying it'd be exactly the same, but, but how would it be drastically better? Like, it just, just seems to me we'd be in, you know, I mean, the, the massive food shortages that we're facing, the economic collapse that's on the horizon and, you know, the, the, uh, conflict with Russia and Ukraine, like, you know, how does Trump fix any of this? Like he doesn't. So, it, it, to, to me, it's just people falling into that trap. And I mean, the other thing you said was, uh, you know, people within the Libertarian Party who, you know, you don't want people to leave, but if they can't get over, you know, petty drama, then then get out of the way and let us who let the adult, uh, you know, ha- have the table and get things done. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I I agree with that too. I mean, there's just so many people who are caught up in it's like one thing after another, but it's like, you know, uh, you know, X person said mean thing on Twitter or (laughs) X person did something 20 years ago that, that I don't approve of. And I'm like, why is this your focus? Like, I I just, I'm losing patience for some of these people. Um, because I just think that like, if you're not, if, if you don't have a sense of urgency about what's going on in the world right now, that you can't drop the, you know, some of the, because uh, like, to be fair, like I'm not, it's not even that sometimes the things that people complain about are maybe absolutely nothing. Like I might be able to, you know, sometimes go, okay, yeah, maybe that person shouldn't have said that. Or yeah, maybe this thing here is a little bit weird, but like, I don't know, just have some proper like uh, i don't know situ- situational awareness it's kind of like if you're if you're stuck in a uh you know in a foxhole and you know uh you know guns you, gun you know gunfire going on above your head and the person you're stuck in the foxhole with like you know i don't know like set of you know you were like you know it's like like you're, you're under fire and instead of like you know they're asking for the ammo to to put in their gun so they can return fire, <laughs> and instead of giving the ammo, you go, "I, I can't work with you because uh, five years ago you said this racist thing." Yeah. Like what? Like <laughs> like like? Why does that matter right now? <laughs> like yeah, you know, like you know, maybe if we if we if we uh, if we if we get to the other side of this and we win. And we actually have liberty. It's like, you know, maybe I'll be more incentivized to care about uh, you know, some of these things. But right now, like Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like uh you know, what, what was that? Uh I forget who made the 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 little it wasn't a flag, it was like a like a little cartoon um back during the American Revolution where they had like the snake cut up into like the 13 different colonies oh, yeah. and it was like unite or or die it's like yeah, that that's where we're die. yeah j- join or die like that's that's where we're at right now it's like we either join together to fight the state to fight authoritarianism or you know you'll be clutching your pearls about the offensive things <laughs> that people said on twitter all the way to the gulag like yeah. you know what i mean it's just. I, and I'm sorry, like if, if people cannot get over those things then I just, you know, I'm going to move on. Yeah. So there, there's two things that have kind of
2: like come to light for me. Um, uh, one thing I didn't realize that when I was signing up for the Libertarian Party, that we were all expected to be perfect and to have never made a mistake. And to never have a bad idea or to ever make a mistake in the future. I didn't realize that. And I also didn't realize that any human mistake that I made was going to be held against me as if it was some war crime.
1: Yeah. Or, or, or associations that you have. Yeah. Like, Oh, you talk to this person, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that,
2: that really frustrates me. And it's like, it's one thing if somebody kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. Well, okay. But if it happens, it happens. And that leads me to the other thing that really frustrates me is that I have no problem with, with criticism or uh, any bad take being criticized. What I always ask myself, why is this person criticizing? Well, there's, there's one of two ways or one of two reasons. And it's, it's either to tear that person down or you're criticizing them to make sure that they get a better take. Are you building them up or tearing them down? And most, yeah, exactly. most of yeah. the criticism I see now is just tearing people down. And it's like, if it's a bad take, explain why it's a bad take so they can have a better take. Let's, let's all help each other be better and more principled not tear each other down because we're not as principled as the next.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, a hundred percent agree with that. Like I remember a lot of the outrage that happened last year at maybe like some of the messaging that was coming out of the libertarian party of New Hampshire. And, and and it and some of the criticisms I agreed with Um, there were some tweets and some of the messages that I found to be, you know, a good balance of edgy and truth. And I thought they were handled well. And then others that I thought like, yeah, you know, that's, it, that, that's not something I would say. Cause I, I think it actually is more harmful than beneficial, but my reaction was basically just like, okay, I don't like it, but like, it's not the end of the world. And if anything, I'm just going to talk to these people privately and, and have a conversation with them. But instead, a lot of people just decided to, you know, be outraged and, and offended. And, and, you know, that led to of course uh, the, uh, the, 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 the uh, attempted coup and t- taking of the New Hampshire party and all the drama that happened after that. And, you know, and I was just like, you know, this isn't how adults handle problems, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just not, it was where, and like, honestly, all it took was I had Jeremy Kaufman on my podcast and basically said, Hey man, these tweets, I like them. These tweets, eh, I don't know. Let's talk about them. And and he was kind of like, yeah, I'm not batting a thousand. Like you know, there's things that I put out there that are I, I will defend, and other ones that I'll agree that yeah, you know, in hindsight, you know, I'll learn from them and do better. And it's just like, okay, like you know, like I mean, what else can you expect from people other than just to be open to criticism? But they're not going to be open to criticism if you're just immediately attacking them and, and uh, blackballing them and, and and calling them names and stuff. Like, that's just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't think we were in middle school anymore. But for some people, it's like they emotionally didn't mature past that point, And that's the only way they know how to solve problems. So I don't know. It's, it, it, you know, fortunately, I don't think that constitutes a majority of the party. what What I found is that really the quote unquote factionalism and, you know, there's, you know, people, it's like, it's like the Mises caucus and the non Mises caucus people. And it's like, I don't even view it that way. Like, cause for the most part, I think there's a lot of people who aren't even part of the Mises caucus who have no problem working alongside the caucus and members of the caucus and, and, you know, really have been right there alongside the caucus whenever like, a lot of these, these dumb drama things have happened. You know what I mean? It's like, I I don't know. Like like I see a lot more of people actually getting along and working well together. And just, there's like, you know, a couple dozen or so bad actors that just like to sow division and, and, and cause drama. And, you know, I I think we just got to move on from those people and focus on, you know, continuing to grow and, you know, continuing to, you know, push the Libertarian Party in the direction that 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 we think it needs to go in. I mean, I, you know, again, I can't stress how, you know, this is, you know, I think an opportunity, you know, coming up in 2024 that if we get if we get the right candidate, and you know, really any of the three that I think are the most likely to get that place, I'm okay with. Whether it's Dave Smith, whether it's Spike Cohen, whether it's Justin Amash, like You know, all three of them would do a great job, but we got to make sure that, you know, not just that, that we get one of those guys and they run a good campaign, but, and then we have a good vice uh, presidential candidate behind them, but we got to do better on the state level and at the local level. And the LP, as far as I can tell, has done nothing at the local level, you know, over the past couple decades. And to me, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think you know as much as running a good national campaign matters. I think we need to do even more work at the local level to uh, get people involved in their communities and and start pushing people more towards you know a kind of a, a view of local sovereignty and self governance. Because to me, that's the only way to 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 ward off and be ready for the hard times that are coming up.
2: Well, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, ideally, a, a well-run libertarian presidential campaign is really just an outreach program. Like, we're, we're trying to just spread the message to as many people as humanly possible. Um, and personally, uh, this is the idea I've been taught. Talk- tossing around for a while. I don't see it happening. However, I would love to see a spike Cohen and Dave Smith ticket. I don't care who's on who's vice or whatever. It doesn't matter. I think they're the two best messengers for this time period and, uh, both for different reasons. Um, I mean, Dave has the reach of media unlike any other libertarian up to this point and spike, I mean, he, he could, you know, sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. Like it's (laughs) ridiculous. Um, and I just think that that would work out the best just because of how great they are for entirely different reasons. And it would benefit the party by bringing the most people in. Um, like I said, I don't see that happening, but you know, I'll, I'll live in my fantasy. Um, as far as focusing locally, it, it, that should be the focus. What, one of the biggest tenets of our belief is, you know, states' rights. We we shouldn't have a lot of this bloated government bureaucracy. So why aren't we focusing on the more state uh, or state runs or, uh, you know, the smaller county runs, uh, county commissioners or pretty much just any County level positions, city council meeting or city council positions. I I don't understand why we're not putting our resources there in uh, runs that we know or runs that have a a more likely chance of us actually winning. Um, if a candidate has you know ten thousand dollars in their war chest, but the incumbent has one hundred and forty thousand. Probably not likely, but right. if you can compare to the com- incumbent, then let's let's put the effort behind that. So,
1: yeah, no, I agree, and you know, one of the things, so like you know what, what you talked about, like what you do on your podcast, and something you mentioned earlier, and this has been something I've been kind of, I wouldn't say struggling with, but I've been trying to wrestle with with this a little bit, and come up with a good answer for it but you know there's some libertarians who have sort of like you know, almost like given up hope or something and you know i don't know how much you pay attention to the twitterverse but there's like you know people who are calling themselves post libertarians and yeah and and saying interesting that, movement <laughs> yeah and, and saying that uh you know kind of like undermining the importance of being principled um and, and again, and I want to be careful because I actually like some of the people who would be under that label. And I, it's not that every single person in in that label has the same, you know, uh, viewpoints or or says the same thing. But some of them certainly, I think, have sort of had a, a sort of uh, scornful view on being principled, which is something you said earlier. It's like, you know, you're like, you know, at least I'm principled and it's like, I I, I hear that and but then it's like I'm trying to come, I've been trying to come up with the best arguments for why being principled matters. um because it's it, it's something that seems intuitively true to me, but it, it can be sometimes hard to convince people of. I mean my my, I guess like initial thoughts are that it's kind of a matter of time preference because like, it's easy to sacrifice your principles in the short term to maybe gain some temporary victories. But I think, I think anything that you do in the short term through sacrificing your principles is going to blow up in your face in the long run. Um, But, but I don't know. I mean, do you think it's just that? Or do you think there's something, you know, something more to that? Like why, what, why is it, you know, um, when we're fighting the tyranny that we're fighting, you know, why isn't it when at whatever costs, why is, why is sticking to our principles important in, in your, uh, in your view? So
2: first and foremost, I, I agree with the, I, I guess the, the, the black pill side of the post-libertarian Um, viewpoint is that we are facing an enemy whose hunger for control and power is just that, that hunger will never be met. And, and so the, the, the direness of the situation, I fully agree with that. Um, and that's why I'm doubling down on the LP, um, I don't have another choice as far as my opinion. So to address the the direct question is, I mean, it's important to me and I believe for everyone to stand by their principles because for one, I believe in objective truth. It's it's wrong to steal and murder and uh, cause harm to other people and in any part of the world doesn't matter what culture you were born into. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what generation you were born into. What's wrong is wrong. What's right is right. Uh, what's right is, of course, a little bit more cloudy. However, what is wrong is very clearly defined across the world. It's a universal language. Um. I I believe sticking by your principles is important. For one, uh. Because of your trustworthiness, for one, if you're willing to bend on your principles when you pretty much have your back against the wall, when you have all the power in the world, why wouldn't you go against your principles then? I mean, the the example I can use is that. So I'm, I'm actually chair of my county affiliate here in uh, Weber County. And our, our county convention had, had just passed and it, it very low turnout. Uh, it was really disappointing actually, but pretty much the, the, we, we had five people, right. And, uh, which is weird. Some meetings will be just like that. Five people, then the, the next will have 15, 20 and it, I don't know, it's really unpredictable. Um, however. We, we could have pretty much just not followed any of the rules right then and there and just said whatever we wanted. I could have typed up whatever report, you know, with my secretary and it would have just been whatever, but if we didn't follow the rules then when nobody else would have known, then none of those rules would have mattered once we had more people and at that point why are we even doing it so it it just really to me i view so so it's not what what you do when everyone's looking at you it's what you do when you're alone and nobody's looking at you and that's why i think it's important to stand by your principles no matter what
1: yeah i, I kind of and i think and I think, and I think the reason why that matters is because, like, you will if if you can't prove yourself worthy through your integrity of handling a little bit of power, then you know, if if we're going to convince people to go away from re- voting Republican or voting Democrat, they have to see that we are different. And if we're just giving them more of the same, but it's just like, you know, you know, instead of authoritarian flavor one and authoritarian flavor two, we're just authoritarian flavor three. It's not going to compel people. It's not going to reach people. Um, But if we're going to reach people and especially if we're going to reach like, you know, there's a sort of biblical uh, idea of like reaching the remnant. And I think that often applies to, you know. The, the Liberty activism too, which is like, we're, we are trying to reach, you know, project a message to everybody. But I think in a way, what we're first trying to do primarily is to, to reach the, the people who are the most reachable, you know what I mean? Which is um, still a very sizable part of the, the country, I think. Um, but if we're going to reach them, like we have to reach them by inspiring them through both our message and our actions And, and if, and if we're not consistent, then, you know, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to buy, they're, they're, they're not going to leave, you know, they're they're not going to leave, uh, cause 'cause, maybe that's all we have. Like we don't have power. We don't have resources. So it's like, if we're going to convince people to come to the LP, our one selling point is that we have integrity and, and we will always tell the truth. If we give that up, then we, we, we give up what makes us libertarians in the first place. So and and furthermore, I like the way that Dave Smith put it when he addressed this, which is like the problem with like kind of like the the ends justify the means approach is that you can make these hypothetical situations in your head where it makes sense to say ends justify the means. But how it usually plays out in reality is that your uh, your means become your ends. And, and there's almost no way to escape that. So if you're using, if you're trying to use unlibertarian means to achieve libertarian ends, I mean, you know that that to me sort of breaks causality. It's kind of like saying like I'm going to use a torch to freeze water, <laughs> yeah. or like I'm I'm going to use a uh, uh, a drill to fill a gap. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's just, that doesn't work. That doesn't actually logically follow, uh, you know, the, the, the tactics you're using will not bring about the end result you want. So, you know, I, yeah. So I, I agree with what you're saying. And I think that that's important. And, and I agree with also what you said. Like, I, you know, if there's anything we can, you know, so somebody asked Dave at the Pennsylvania convention uh, earlier, uh, so beginning of March, uh, if there was anything we had to learn from the post-libertarian people. And and, and Dave didn't really have a, a, you know, I love Dave. I don't think he really had a good answer for that question. I don't think he was really expecting it. But I, I think what we can learn from them is at least to take seriously that, that sort of urgency to like, you know, be very hyper aware of how evil <laughs> our enemy is and to make sure that while we remain principled, that we don't live in Ankapistan in our head. You know what I mean? Like we, you know what I mean? Like we, we have to recognize, we need to make sure that we contend with reality while also staying true to our principles. And that definitely is, you know, in a, in a, you know, in a Christian sense, you know, I think of what Jesus said, like, uh wide is the gate that leads to destruction but narrow is the one that leads to life that's certainly the narrow path to walk to be principled and deal with reality but i think it is the right one to walk um so you know maybe the last thing we can talk about here um because i don't think you and i have really you know we've we've talked politics on clubhouse before and we've talked about it a, a good bit here but um you know, what are your, you know, if, and if you don't have any, that's fine. We can, we can punt the question, but what, what are your religious or spiritual, you know, views, if you have any, and, you know, and if you do, uh, you know, do they have any impact or influence on your, your political philosophy? Um,
2: so I, I've had quite the journey. I, I would say um, I was raised uh, Mormon, uh, Utah you know it's uh so (laughs) yeah it It was shocking (laughs) yeah right oh no (laughs) but you know i i had experienced something interesting um i I i won't repeat what i was told because of the the language that was used um but i had been i think i was 12 or 13, I was growing my hair out, you know, being young and rebellious, I guess, if, if that's rebellion, whatever, you know, and a, a uh, elderly member of the, the church that I was attending at the time had made a comment, a, a very derogatory term for, uh, you know, the, the homosexual persuasion. And I was like, because I have long hair, like you worship a guy with long hair and so that i stopped going to church it just made me question everything um and then i wasn't religious for a long time um i kind of fell into uh, around like out, out of high school it, i i read the satanic bible and at the time it it sounded great a, a lot of uh you know there's some crossover with libertarian philosophy, as I got older, I realized that the whole selfishness of that whole belief system, which is just, I look at it now. And I mean, of course there's, there's some things that I still agree with, like don't hit kids, you know, like that's, but that's not necessarily their belief. You know, that's uh uh, also Anton LaVey, you know, he was a interesting person. If anyone doesn't know anything about him, um, he was basically a con artist. So, you know, it's, he knew how to sell books. He, he knew how to uh, create psychodrama, And, uh, he, he was a, he, he was raised in a circus family. So he was, he was a showman. And, uh, that's pretty much what the whole belief system is based off of. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. So as I've gotten older, um, I was definitely drawn in by Taoism. Um, and that really, to me, showed me how to live in the now. The, the one issue I had with Christianity for a long time was I didn't want to be focused on the afterlife in many aspects. I didn't want to live my life now focusing on what i'm going to get later where because life is such a gift now obviously i have a different opinion now um however i do still follow the you know the teachings of the dao and i i do implore pretty much anyone to to read it because it's it's more of a philosophy not necessarily a religion
1: oh sure yeah uh dorton peterson often connects Taoism to uh uh to, to Christianity I think when he's yeah. when he's doing his lectures and stuff um because I think it was the I'm, I'm not I'm not very good on other religions but I, I think Taoism is the one where they have the uh the sort of like the the yin yang like the uh yep. like order and chaos uh, that dichotomy which which I think you know I think that can overlay with a sort of you know biblical philosophy as well um, and yeah, you know, that's an interesting critique, which I actually share of Christianity, you know, definitely. Uh, well, I think it's just all over the place, whether it's Catholicism, whether it's the evangelical, uh you know, Protestantism. Um, th- there's this focus on the afterlife that, although on one hand, I think, you know, I can make a libertarian argument for that, because it kind of pertains to like a low time preference mentality. So there's something good there about that but then it can create maybe too low of a time preference where it's like Mm -hmm. nothing i do matters right now because you know or nothing i do matters and let like the the only thing that matters is the afterlife so the only like only the things that i do here only matter for the afterlife they don't matter for what happens here which i which i don't think which i I think is a misunderstanding like when people you know whether they're doing that consciously or if that's just something that people implicitly have have, you know, through the centuries, you know, a- come to act out. I do think is a, uh, a misunderstanding of 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 the teachings in the Bible on on the afterlife because because I, I do think there is a major uh, a major emphasis by Jesus himself on the importance of what we do here. I mean, Jesus said. Um, you know, that which you do to the least of these, you've done unto me, Um, you know, and uh, you know, the other, the other thing, uh, this comes up in, in the book of James, but the idea of faith without works is dead. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely, I think there is, you know, a balance there to be achieved. It's not all about the here and now, but it's also not all about what comes next. You, 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 you know, you know, that probably plays a little bit into Taoism too, right? You know, like, you know, Most you have definitely. to, you have to have a foot, you have to have a foot in order and a foot in chaos. And, and, you know, I think that's the way that Christians should try to approach it. Like you need to have a foot and then this is be in the world, but not of it. Right. That's, that's yeah. the same thing. Like, you know, have one foot in the world, have one foot, uh, sort of ba- you know, planted in the idea of eternity, but, but try to exist in both and try to, uh you know integrate both into your you know into your being um is what i think the you know th- that's the kind of right balance to try to to try to achieve at least
2: yeah yeah i i definitely agree it's to me it is all about balance and i mean that that's the 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 tightrope walk that we we all deal with you know the the balance of family and work and uh whatever our extracurricular activities are plus hobbies and, you know, trying to find time to read a book is almost impossible, but if you can read a couple of pages, do it. Um
1: You know, to. I've to, read a couple of pages of like a dozen books yeah. <laughs> in the last month yeah. and I never have time to finish them. <laughs> but, yeah. That's yeah.
2: my problem. I have a stack of like 20 books. I still haven't finished. So to, to round out like where I'm at now, um, you know, I, I've experienced some things to where I definitely believe in a soul. Um, and, and it's actually uh, the, the experience I've had being around uh, methamphetamine users, actually. And it's because I, I've known people before they use drugs and then after. And there's just that spark in their, in their eye, that little sparkle. It's just gone.
1: Dude. Yeah. And it's- That's so, so Uh, I hate to interrupt you, but like, that is so like, I went through that. I was diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. And so I started trying different medications to kind of help with that. Cause I was having a, I was having a hard time kind of like finding a good uh work home balance and also like. Being focused and productive at work, I because t- I tend to be kind of disorganized and and it was hard for me to focus. So, you know, I tried different you know medications and and yeah, I I, I remember being on the medication and was being more productive and and I was be- and and I had more I guess like energy to do things in a sense, but what and I, but I did not like the way I felt on them. And I had a hard time explaining that to like my spouse and to my doctor. And then like what I eventually realized, I was like, I feel like, I I feel like my soul is dead when I'm on these drugs. It's like, I'm not, I'm not even myself and I'm not even, I'm not inside of myself acting when I'm on those medications. I'm like outside of myself looking in, watching what I'm doing play out. Like it's a video game Yeah, and it's, it, it becomes very imper. you know, it's like, I don't I don't feel like a, a, a properly oriented, properly integrated human being anymore. Um, so, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely yeah, <laughs> have experienced what you're describing. Yeah. It's, it's interesting and you know, it's,
2: there's just, you know, I uh, have family that are, uh, drug abusers and, you know, I've had some friends or people I know, I, I won't call them friends necessarily, but. And it's just I've seen before and after, and it, it's really convinced me that there is a soul. Um, as I've paid more attention to the world, uh, I came to the realization that there there is without a doubt uh, empirical evil in the world. Um, not everything that people uh, say is evil is actually evil, but there there is undoubtedly evil in the world. And, uh, it, it's probably showing its face more. I I have this argument with some of my family every now and then that there's more evil or less evil. And I don't think there's more or less. I I think it's always the same amount. It's just more prevalent because everyone's noticing. Um, and because of that, I have come to the conclusion that, well, if there's, if there's the evil, then there has to be the other side to that. Um, yeah. I I definitely see the importance of Christianity especially in the west in western civilization um as as the basis of what makes it so great. Um I I'm I know there's something, I don't know what. So, you know, that that's pretty much where I am now. Um you know, if it, it just it seems to me that uh if if Satan himself was going to target anything and have the, the the best the best outcome for destroying all good in the world, his number one target would be the churches. And yeah. and it's it's incredibly sad, but I think that that's why there's a lot of uh, a lot of bad things that come out of the churches, which it's it's not the belief. It, it's not the followers necessarily. It's not anything. It's just, it's well, the it's abuse a, of these systems. Yeah.
1: Well, there's like an institutional corruption or like yeah. a brokenness. And and yeah, it's, and it, it, you know, that could be, you know, we're, we're near the end here, but that could be a whole, it, it, it would take a whole podcast to break down the, yeah. the, all, the, all the ways in which the church, you know, and it, it's, it's in, a, in all phases, whether it's Catholicism or Protestantism uh, you know, <laughs> yeah i mean they, they they all have their 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 elements of of institutional uh corruption and 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 and, and scriptural abuse yeah. which which i uh which kind of go hand in hand usually um uh, which you know and i don't know the solution to that some people have this solution to be like oh well my christianity will just be me and god and and, and I'm like, yeah, but I, I do think there is an importance to that corporate element. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Kind of like same with like, you know, I don't know if you've been, you've been to like the libertarian conventions and if you've ever been to any of the Mises caucus events, like, you know, there, there's something about the gathering of of like-minded people that has a special essence to it. And oh, there's yeah. something about doing that in the church with fellow believers that has, I think that it's it's important to our our spiritual life, um, but uh, but yeah, it's something that the church is going to have to deal with, and Christians are going to have to find a way to rescue the baby from the bathwater and reform the church. You know, my theory is the problem with the church is uh, unfortunately because for centuries, I mean, really millennia, the church and the state were the same thing in in the yeah. West we got to separation of church and state, which I think is mostly been good. Um, not all good, but mostly. Um, but the problem is in the same way that when the Israelites were rescued from Egypt, but God said that like you, you, I took you out of Egypt, but now I got to take the Egypt out of you because you have all this paganism and, and, you know, Egyptian culture and, and and rebellion and evil still kind of embedded in your, your, your nature. Uh, The church has left the state, but the state hasn't left the church because the church structure is still very much a holdover from the centuries of those two entities being the same. So there's too much statism in the way that the church is constructed and we have to reform it. Um, It's, and I don't know, I don't know how, but you know what I mean? And I'm still working that out but, but, but it's work that has to be done. It's like, we almost need a second reformation. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Hey, if,
2: if anybody wants to hold a Bible study, uh, somewhere out on a hiking trail where we can be in, in nature or whatever, cause that always seems to be where, uh, you know, a lot of these religious paintings happen anyways, then, uh, I'll come, I'll, I'll definitely sit in on that. Cause, uh, I don't know. I I agree with the uh, communal aspect of it. There there's just something that that can't be replaced when you do it by yourself. Uh, it doesn't matter how large or small the group is, but um it definitely needs to be explored and be pushed out. And also if if you're going to hold Bible study, let's
1: let's do it outside when it's nice and warm, you know? Like yeah. Forget forget these and it's such a like I get so mad when like these big mega churches and what the giant waste of resources <laughs> they are. It's like, you oh, know, no. just, but don't, yeah, I could, you know, I, I could go a whole hour on, on ranting about <laughs> my issues with the church. So, um, well we're, we're, we're at the end here, man. Um, but, but you know, uh, that's a great conversation. You know, I, I, uh, I appreciate your heart, um, both on the libertarian stuff and on your, you know, sharing your, your spiritual and religious journey there. And, uh, you know um i am I'm, ex- I'm excited that you're part of this movement that your voice is is out there and um you know i i hope that you know it continues to grow in its uh uh in its reach and that you know you know we can all work together to kind of you know have these conversations and move that Overton window in the right direction so um you know before we hop off here tell my audience you know where they can find you uh your your podcast and stuff listen to you and you know, any social media plugs if if you're, you know, active on social media.
2: Yeah. Um, so the the best way to find pretty much everywhere I am is rise to liberty slash links. Uh, I found this really cool service called Liberty Links And it's kinda like Linktree, but it's uh it's a lot cooler in my opinion. Um plus the name, you know, Liberty Links. But uh risetoLiberty.com uh risetoLiberty.store for a couple of t-shirts have some funny stuff over there we're going to be revamping that here in the next little bit um social media um you can find me on Twitter, Instagram and Telegram are the uh th- three places I I tend to be as far as watching or listening to the show of course all major audio platforms um Apple, Spotify, Google, <clears throat> Stitcher pretty much anywhere you can think, uh, videos, YouTube, Rumble, and D Live are the places you can find me. And it's just Rise to Liberty or Rise to Liberty podcast. And
1: you can pretty much find me anywhere. Awesome. Well, Jacob, thanks again for coming on. Um, Thank you, you for know, having me. Yep. And uh, we'll definitely do this again sometime. And uh, thanks everybody for tuning in and watching. And remember until next time, don't fear the fire.